everybody. Well, this is the happiest meeting we've had so far. Wonderful, wonderful spirit here in the house of God tonight. I'd like to express my appreciation to Elder Jacks and to all the other brethren in this area for an invitation to come and work with you. It's been a highlight in our lifetime to be here in this state of Ohio and work with you. I do not have the words to say how appreciative, how glad I am for the privilege of working together with these blessed and good and godly men. If you could talk to my wife, she could tell you how I feel about it because I'm all the time talking about the Ohio people. Since I came here in oh, a year and a half ago to Akron, Ohio has become a part of my life. The preachers, their good wives, their children, and the saints of God just challenge my thinking. I do appreciate them so very, very, very much. I've enjoyed every message that I've heard since I've been here. I feel so full. I feel so helped. I feel so blessed that I don't know what they're going to do with me when I get home. I imagine I'll be swinging off the light fixtures when I get home. They're going to say, what happened to Dad? And it'll take me 90 days to tell them about all of you wonderful preachers, saints, preachers' wives, preachers' children. You're okay, for example. Amen. I know that all of you who are able to be here during the afternoon service are seated on the rich ministry, Brother Garrett. Brother Garrett, in my book, is one of the best preachers alive today. So that don't matter to me near so much as the fact that he's one of the best men that I've ever met in my life. Lovable, kind, true, firm, filled with personal conviction, a man baptized in principle, and I thank God for him. Brother Garrett, of course, bears the highest office among our ministry. He is the general chairman of the Apostolic Ministry Fellowship. I saw it when it fell on him, the burden for the work of God. He bears that yoke with great grace and fine strength. And we're proud of him. Yeah, I want to God that every preacher and every saint of God, remember brother and sister Garrett, every saint yeah. your friend. Praise God. Thank you for everything. <laughs> I thought the best cooks in the world lived in Louisiana. Ain't nothing to that. They live no house. And I thank God for that. I appreciate it. I am, I don't know what, never in my life has that pack rat spirit come out in me like it has here. I wanted to get me a jar of those beets and put it in my suitcase. And I wanted to get me a, a suitcase full of apple pie. And I, I knew I couldn't carry none home, so I inquired how you make that apple sauce, James. I think I could try that if I could get some apple. I believe I could do it. Somebody said to get apple butter, you just cook it a little long. Well, I've got patience. I'd like to try that, too. But I got cured of that pack rat spirit when I was out in Georgia. 
I bought me some firewood honey. And I borrowed my son's suitcase, because mine looks so bad. And I put that firewood honey in that suitcase. And God bless Delta Airlines. When they're loading that luggage on there, friend, it's not just Delta, I guess, but Delta, when they throw that luggage under there, you declare the bomb that's going off under there. And when I got home, that was the sweetest suitcase you ever saw. Now look in chapter 13 and verse 2. 
what he knows the same to I know also, I am not inferior to you. In two chapters, we find that same word, apostolic arithmetic. I am not inferior to you. Now, I'm going to write that in mathematical terms, and you tell me when I get it right. These symbols stand for me, and these symbols stand for you. Now, Job said, I am not inferior to you. Did I get it right? I'm going to express by mathematics what the Word of God said. Did I get it right? That I'm a minus and you're a plus? No. All right, I'm going to express it alphabetically then. A little I and a capital U. Is that what that verse said? No. Little I and capital U. Is that what that verse said? The revelation of God's word said, I am not inferior to you. Now these fellows came over to try to pull Job out of his problems and out of his troubles, and they gave him jaw music and chin music by the barrel. And it didn't help a lick. They were off on a wild cancer. They didn't know the mind of God. But they gave him advice like Mexicans have chili. Plenty of it. But it didn't help. And when he had listened and listened and listened and listened and didn't get anything for his soul and didn't get any light on his problems, he just rose up and said, Oh, that stuff you've been saying, I've been knowing that. He said, I'm not inferior to you. Now then, in understanding where we stand with people, there are so many people who are saying, I did you in your great effectively because they labor under a false image of themselves. The devil's got them believing that they are lopsided, already here, that they're born upside down at the feet of the known They're just, everything's wrong, everything's backwards, everything's opposite to them, and uh, there's just no change but the Christ. And so they just say, I just don't feel any joy in living. I want to tell you that because of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, 
You have to re-educate yourself to all that single mess the devil tries to tell you about you not being worthy. The Bible said, for he hath accounted us worthy to escape the things that will come to try the world. We are accounted, A-C-C-O-U-N-T-E-D, we are accounted worthy. We did not arrive at worthiness. We did not earn worthiness. But it's the bookkeeper's term, he hath accounted us worthy. God said for his own reasons that we were worthy. Now the reason that you can be happy and you can have feeling for your own value is because of the excessive righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to tell you there's any good in your flesh. I'm not telling you you got anything to crow about or boast about or brag about or feel like a half not about. There's not anything in our flesh that can glorify God. But I will tell you that if you've been to the water in Jesus' name, if you really repented of your sins and God filled you with the Holy Ghost, you have some very strong and some very mighty reasons to believe that God is with you and he has changed you from the vile creature that you were and that he has set you in heavenly positions and places and ranks with Christ Jesus the Lord. I tell you, finding the Lord is being somebody. We're not crumbs, we're pies, praise God. Expressing this thing in the language of the kitchen, there are some who say, I'm a crumb. But the way you pay that order, you're, you're a pie. And there's some preachers that come around and say, Oh, it's like a preach like her again. Oh, it's like a preach like that. Oh, it's so good. What they're saying is, I feel me like I'm a crumb. I feel like when God said things, I thought he said rain and I hit under the floor. But everybody else has got a gift. Everything is beautiful in its own way but me. And that's because you're ignorant of the word of the Lord. That's because the light from heaven's good room never did flash on your darkened heart. If you have that kind of a feeling that I'm a little bitty minor, and you're a great big plus you. That ain't right. That's not what the Word of God says. No. The Lord said, I'm equal to you. The Lord said, I am not inferior to you, which implies of necessity that I am equal to you. That's what that means. That's how you express that. I'm equal to you. I want to talk to you about some of the reasons why people feel like they are minuses. That people feel like they are crippled. That people feel like they have no grace and they have no attractiveness to do the work of God. That people feel like they have no gifts that are treasured. One reason people feel that way is because they cannot bury unhappy episodes in their pain. They just keep on carrying They just keep on feeling the condemnation that Calvary was meant to stop. They just keep on feeling like they're crooks. They keep on feeling like when they get a little bit down, they want to say, I'm a dog. No, you're not a dog. You're made just a little lower 
He said, my ears reminds me of a taxi cab coming down the street with both ears, both doors open. He said, every day I get up and look in that mirror and said, I'm reminded of what an odd statistic that they make. They're, just, they're so merciful that they can't hardly look at me when I speak in assembly. And he said, these ears, he said, when I get up to testify, he said, I just see them flopping like elephant ears all the time. I said, John, we have confidence that I would only be frank and tell you the truth. Yeah, I said, now, John, I want to ask you, do you have confidence in me that I'm not a man given to flattery, nor psychology, nor any other such ism, but that I'd tell you the truth? Well, brother, sir, I know you would. I said, John, that is one of the biggest surprises I've ever heard in my life because I have never even for the first moment noticed your ears. And I could see disbelief written all over John Dunn's face. But here I was lying to him. I said, now, John, I'll just ask you if you believe if I tell you the truth. Now, do you believe I told you the truth that I have never had a thought, never crossed my mind about your ears? He didn't know ears like that. He didn't have any worse than I got. Mine ain't too bad. After all, I didn't never enter no beauty contest. Told me there was a town down there in Arkansas where the people was all so ugly that if all the women got in the beauty contest, that wouldn't nobody win. <laughs> Look how the devil was binding that man from taking his liberty. The devil had that man feeling like that he was harming people and scaring babies with his big ears. Come on, man. There wasn't nothing wrong his ears. No. I'm telling you, and you know I tell you the truth like I told John the truth. That's one of the best looking lessons I ever saw in my life. But the devil had it in his mind that he was eccentric somewhere, that some part of him was all face and all about. All right, Elmer. Have you ever had a problem like that? Lord, you are easy to read tonight. <laughs> I see you thinking. I'll tell you, if the devil could, he would mind the beauty of your person in your own mind. And I want to tell you that if a woman don't think nothing of herself, you hear me, there's not another neighbor in the county that will. I'm telling you, if a woman has no respect for her own person, that none of the men or none of the women are either. It begins within your own heart. If you can't go back to Calvary and find that he redeemed you, that he washed you in his blood, that he removed your sin, that he removed the seed of sin, that he took out that wicked spirit and put in the spirit of God, that he took out a heart full of stone and put a heart of flesh in you and filled you with the same spirit that made the heavens and the earth and ordered all of them in their orbit. That same God lives in you and it has erased all your liabilities and all you have left is assets. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You are not the person you used to be. 
You don't mind if I talk plain. You know I talk plain no how. You don't believe that. When I talk plain, you're going to dry up and your eyes going to cross. You don't believe that. You don't want nobody to talk plain to you. But the Apostle Paul said, therefore, we use great plainness of speech. I want to tell you that devil would take your nose and rub it in the mud if he could to keep you from having liberty when you testify and keep you from having power when you sing and keep you from having action and anointing when you preach. It is the business of the devil to accuse the brethren. That's what the book said. He accuses the brethren. Got her right mind and was not able to tell fortunes no more. 
and those who had invested money in her, they got mad, and they said, well, we're going to kick them up and put them in the prison. So they went out and caused a riot, got everybody a hot mess, got all the prisoners to stand up and put them in the prison, and uh, they're fixing to give Paul another real good whipping. Now, he said he took five with him before he wised up. Five times, he said, he suffered three down strikes. He said, not to believe it was, said they beat me with sticks, bum handles, rods, kitchen poles, rods. He said, I was a shipwreck, you know, but he said, five times they beat me with a whip before I wise up. They stripped that poor little bust out of the preacher's down and had his hands tied to the ceiling. And they had a professional man beater there with a long leather thong ready to beat him. And Paul heard all that. He seemed like he had enjoyed it. He didn't want no more of that. He sounded like a fellow playing checkers. He said, Next move's mine. You wait. And so he had something to say. He said, Now look, he said, Are you going to beat me being a Roman and uncondemned? The situation being that you dared not chastise a Roman citizen without trial by jury. Uh-huh. And that fellow was fixing the whip and he said, Are you a citizen? Well, the boy said, Look on the record book. He said, I am Saul of Tarsus. He went upstairs and told the captain up there, said, that, uh, uh, Captain, I've got a word for you. <laughs> he said, um, I don't know about that, me, but he said, You better take a look at it and look in the book. That book's like telephone books. He said, that fellow said he was born Saul of Tarsus. And he's a Roman citizen. You better look it out and see. Because if I whip him and he's a citizen and he had no trial by jury, that's capital punishment. They'll haul me out and shoot me at daybreak. Uh-huh. Anyway, they don't handle him until you find out whether or not his name is in this record book. Uh-huh. If he's a citizen, I'm not. We're just going to... Turn him over to the jury. I ain't going to touch him. I'm going to take the law in my hand. Right, Old Captain Sweet, and he grabbed the hold of that book, and he says, S-S-S-S-S-A-U-S, all of Tarsus, right here. Oh, yeah. He's paying up, too. That was Paul. Paul and his hand hung up to the ceiling. Had the poor fellow strip down the little pile on the way, clothes over there, and he was hung up down there waiting on him to sleep. He was a citizen. What Paul say? When that captain came down there and said, you said you're the citizen, huh? Paul said, I am. And he looked Paul over and saw how poor a man he was, and he said, well, with a great storm obtained out of this freedom, which insinuated you ain't got enough money to buy into the company. There ain't no way you could be as poor as you are. The holes in your undershirts you got, and the holes in the bottom of your shoes, you old apostolic missionary preacher. You couldn't have bought into this, is what he was insinuating. He said, with great price obtained out of this liberty. And Paul hanging there, poor little old naked preacher, he said, yeah, but I was born too. Now, if you want the devil to beat the fire and the buttermilk out of you, let it. If you have a kind of stuff to have a good rise and beating before you can get to a bacon in the morning, let him lay it on you. Paul oh, done it five times before he got fifty-two. Oh. 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 Now, uh, someone has a Bible. Brother, uh, get me uh, Genesis 42.
And I guess at verse 17, there were Manasseh and Ephraim were named. Joseph named his boy. I don't know if it's if that's the verse number or not. But listen to me while they find that. I want to build a little platform for you. There are so many people who could be happy around their children. So many mothers could have a happy home for their kids. Instead of a crying and a bawling and a beating and a slapping and... You can't drive me crazy. You could be the sorrowful mother of children, like the Bible says, instead of a red-eyed, swollen-lipped, night-walking, poor woman. Come on, brother. <laughs> right. The writer said he makes it the barren woman to be a joyful mother of children. That's the way to live with joy and happiness and delight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. The Bible even goes so far as to tell men to live joyfully with the wife of their youth. Can you imagine the Bible saying such a thing that men and women ought to be crazy about each other? That they ought to be sweethearts after been married 30 years? Yeah, the Bible said live joyfully. That means some laughter. That means some play. That means some good times. That means some sweet hours together. Yes. That means delighting yourself in one another's company, enjoying each other's plans. Yes. Hallelujah. Be joyful with the life of your youth. But you can't be that. That's God unless you can understand apostolic arithmetic. That I am not inferior to you. Oh, that's it. That's it. Oh, God. Those people so down on themselves, they take a job pushing a peanut along the city sidewalk. Through their nose. That's right. Let me tell you what I was going to talk about that cop. Look, he ain't got no right to arrest me. That's been been paid for. And if you don't like the devil, he'll come back and tell you that when you was a little old boy, I hung behind the barn, you lifted that little old girl's skirt, and you looked. <laughs> I told you they want me to talk plain. Go ahead and swallow it. Get back up off the seat. I'm just, you, you, you done it, why not tell it? You can't take a bucket of stain and go to an old barn wall a red barn stain and take your brush and rub it on there and then just turn in and rub it off and get it all off. It leaves a stain. And the, the song said that sin has lost a crimson stain. Jesus' blood. And that's all that can do it. No psychiatrist, no psychologist, no reformatory, no penitentiary, nothing but the blood can ever get that stain out of your heart. out behind the kitchen cook stove with that old cigarette button in your hand and you were puffing on it. On, you imagine you were some big somebody and your mama reached around there and grabbed you by the hair of the head and yanked you and gave you what patted you the drum, a good little beating. Yeah. And you know she said, I'm going to tell daddy when he gets in. And you cried and you got in the floor and you rolled and your heart smoked you and you were baptized in shame of discovery. That stain still in your heart until you go to Calvary.
like this. But I know the declaration of the scripture was that ye being, then being evil, know how to give good things to your children. How much more does the heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to them that? I knew the Bible said that God loved me more than I ever loved my child. But when the devil slipped up there, that very low down told that old stupid, that Lucifer, and told me where well, I could hear it that God does not love you like you love that child. To be honest with the integrity of my heart, I had to admit that that was so. I had no evidence. I had no faith. I had no concept. I had no experience to convince me yet, except what I read in the book. Just theories, all I had to I didn't have no experience. I said, well, mother, come get the baby. I'm going back to the service. I went down there and boy, I, I said it. I said, God, I'm a stand here till you open my understanding. And bless your heart, God gave me a revelation that shows you a foot high. That I am not inferior to you. When did you know how much money you got? You, have, you may have as much brains as I did Einstein had, but you ain't no smarter than I am. What you know, I know. You may be so good looking that people catch their breath when you walk by. Ain't nobody so keen when I walk by. But still, you ain't nobody looking now, huh? People, there are people who always say, ain't nobody like me. He's got something in me. And people can so fruitfully imagine that that it becomes so. Anybody don't like me, just plain up. I'm a nice guy. Now that ain't figure of speech, that's the truth. Eh? Okay. <laughs> I don't believe that's conceit for me to say that. I believe I'm about to have a healing of beauty power, I believe, with salvation. Yes, sir. I've been to beauty power. Oh. I'm a knockout, son. I'm a living dog. I've got what people want. <laughs> I'm the man. But how'd they get it? My long girl of my own, my long gift of the flesh, but in Jesus Christ I made holy and pure. And make perfect in the blood. I'm not no little bitty what I used to be in my own mind, little shrinky dinky, winky pinky, teeny weeny minus. Everybody else here, I don't say, oh boy. We got that preacher like that. I don't know what that guy's got in his closet. Come on, Elder. I don't know I ain't never met outside before I even had to hold those. I ain't never touched another woman for an immoral purpose. I ain't never said a word that any woman could understand in my lifetime. I've never said a word that any woman could understand that I would violate her rights. You know why God kept me for himself? I've been to Oh, 
She's watching her mom and her mom put all that cold cream and mud packs on. Well, she can't hear herself. Oh, brother, no, no, no. What's she doing, Mom? Well, I'm having dinner treatment. What's that going to do for you? I can't make mother beautiful, honey. I'm going to let the only 30 minutes to my wife it off. And when she washed it off, her baby said it didn't work it, Mom. <laughs> Life, it just says, so what? So what? So what? If you come back, you say, well, what? Well, I say, so what? You'll be whipped by the devil on the day you live. Anybody here say, so what? So what? Come on, say it with me. Yeah, so what? Well, this Danish princess went to Dr. Maxwell Knox, her parents sent her. For years and years and years, she would go to no central function. Uh, she wouldn't help in this, the uh, graduation of the students. She wouldn't go, she wouldn't appear on the platform. She wouldn't bring any speeches. She wouldn't pass out the diploma. She, she was a self-exiled person. She would not appear in public. And the reason why is because when she went and looked in the mirror, she saw a nose which to her was like John Burns' ears. It looked all the day. Hey, man, you feel bad about me. Did you know that? I'll do. I'll sell as much horse and new feet you can. So what? Well, I want to tell you when I was a young man, a young preacher, this was just ten, and this. Underbite on my teeth line bothered me so much when I went to try to shoot on to help me God. I'll bear my soul because I've been made beautiful. All right. All right. I, I wouldn't turn to the survey to see what the suit looked like because I'd see that recessed chin. And that looked so bad to me that it would crush me. And so I, at all costs, avoided a sideways profile. Nobody ever took my picture from the side. Ain't that ever? I bet my wife would like to see that right now. <laughs> so what? Well, I'll tell you, the devil had me whipped down to that. And when I started getting bald in the back of my head, the devil came along with the same little suit and tried to slip it on and said, look good. 
I don't make me no difference. I can use that for a mirror. I want to. What difference does it make that I don't have no hair back there? Okay. So what? So what? So what? Yeah. I got what I want. I'm the one that has to sell any of us. What difference does it make if I'm chrome, though? Come on, Alan. You think I'm going to get my name in a chrome of my bed and not because I ain't got no hair that's on my head? I ain't got nothing to fit in my stomach. And that didn't ever hurt Peter. I don't need none of my... I don't need none of that hair. I got a hat. If I need a hat, I don't have to have that. Uh, so what? So what? That's right. So what? So when I went down to that prayer room and I sat it all with God, next time I went back to the camp meeting, it was not little bitty skinny, tiny, minus, and you're a great big man of God. It was simply this. That I've been to Calvary. All my sins are gone. He has placed gifts and talents in me to help mankind with. I am beloved of God. I thrill Him. He gets that little good sugar right under my neck when I pray. He's so bad when I sing. Oh, that big old six foot four son of mine gets up and sings and puts that bass guitar over his shoulder and sings them songs of that trio. I just, it just sends me. Part of it is because he's my youngin'. Part of it is because he's jam up good. He's pretty black. All crows think Theron's the darkest. <laughs> he is black. Yours is too, and you know it. So what? <laughs> All right, when he gets up, the, the anointing and the blessing is on that son of mine. I don't take the muddy gloves and try to count my money and see if it's going to be enough to pay the car note and pay the gasoline bill. I'm just a good dog. That's my time to shout. That's my boy. That's my brother. That's that little old guy who had them good sugar granny's neck and he's real for God every day of his life. Never give me a nine worth of trouble. No, it's right. A child of God and on his way to victory. I'm glad because he's being blessed. I'm glad because the saints accepted. I'm glad because people are getting blessed. That's what God's doing to me right now. You know what he's doing? He said to Gabe, hey, look at free. You're doing good, ain't you? Are you doing good? He's putting the car home break tonight. <laughs> That's my boy. Woo! Go ahead, son. I'm God's favorite son. You know Bill Gross, you ever hear of him? He's one of the most fantastic Pentecostal men ever lived in God's world. Bill Gross is a man that baptized thousands of people in Jesus' name in Columbia. He came to my meeting one time in Miami, Florida when he was flying back. And they was in a revival a little while after God healed him that cancer from which he was almost dead. God healed him. He came up and a watermelon with me one night in my apartment. I said, Brother Dross, what's... And I hadn't ever got the revelation yet. I said, what is it, uh... What is it about these things that, uh... uh where's the secret of power? Well, he said, you can believe it or not, but he said, hey, I'm going to give you the simplest technique in the world. He said, I do it every day. He said, when I put my right sock on every morning, I say, Bill, you're God's little boy. Then he said, go ahead and put the right shoe on and tie the laces. And while I'm tying those laces, he said, Bill, all day today, God smiles on you because 
you are his dearly beloved son. He said, when I put on my left sock, and I reeled up my leg and straightened out the seams, he said, I say to myself, Bill, God's going to enjoy you today, and his eyes are going to be on you because you're God's little boy, Bill. So when I put my left shoe on and tied, he said, Bill, you're God's son today. You're God's beloved son. He said, I'm ready for the devil anything you've got. But as long as you say, I'm a man, and you're a plus, you didn't get apostolic arithmetic. You didn't pass that test. Oh. All I'd like to read here in Genesis, is it chapter 42, Elder? 
I told you last night that the freeze didn't waste no money. And I had two teeth in the front part of my mouth here that looked like both patterns. Really, they were crooked. They were not symmetrical. They weren't in line. When I'd bite about in, it looked like it was going through a hammer mill. Really. And I preached and I, I was I always been open mouthed and hollering and loud and energetic and all that kind of jazz, you know, just doing what little I knew to do. And I'd see those movies with my teeth like that, and it made me physically sick. I weighed 140 pounds. If you was any poorer than I was during evangelistic days, I got I got disowned when I left home preaching the Pentecostal truth. I, I mean, they said don't come back. I walked off from a pile of it too, friend. Finally got it back, but just the grace of God. Well, I left home. They said you leave here preaching divine healing. You leave here preaching the oneness message. You you don't come back. I left there and I preached. I didn't have the money to get my teeth taken care of, but I wasn't concerned with it. I'm going to tell you the second revival I preached. Murray Burr sent a man to get me in a pickup truck, and I had a little pasteboard box, and I had some little old shorts in there with holes in them and undershirts that was too little for me. I'd outgrow them. I had that, and I just rolled up the two white shirts I had. I didn't have no suit. I just had some, uh, I believe they call it, gabardine pants. We had 33 that got the Holy Ghost in 16 nights. I'm telling you, 12 grown men got the Holy Ghost. God, use it! But you see, when I looked at those movies and me preaching, with those terrible looking deals, I'll tell you how bad they were when I pastored a church some years later. I went to a dentist just to, in my mind, I wanted to see if anything could be done. This man was a one-eyed dentist in, in Needleland, Texas. He put me in a chair and leaned me back. He never asked me nothing about what I wanted to do. He made an impression in my mouth. I didn't even know what he was doing. He took a long needle and gave me uh, anesthesia in my top gums. So help me God, he never told me what he was going to do. He never asked me. It was just so bad and so unsightly and so unseemly. He reached in there, and I want you to know that was my Bible study night that night. He reached in there, and out came them two boat panels, and he threw them down in a wastebasket. He said, now you can come back, and I'll give you a little temporary plate two weeks from now. I said, two weeks from now? That's the Bible study night. And God is fine. And you know, I, I thought that all through today. It's a good thing he done it. Because I was angry that he did it. That meant I wasn't ready for it to be done yet. <laughs> well, I said that to say this, and I know I'm going way out wide tonight, but I don't care, so what? I'm preaching like I preach. That's all I can do. That's all I intend to do. I ain't going to try to preach like somebody else. I know what's in my closet. Ain't no skeleton fixing to come out. Ain't nothing going to come out. God's grace is sufficient for me. Now then, I went back and looked at those movies, and to look at myself like I was made me physically sick. I dismissed myself from the room and went and laid down on the bed, and I'm telling you, I was physically in pain. It's, it did me up so bad to see how I was, how ignorant, how green, nobody coaching me, nobody telling me, nobody instructing me, nobody teaching me, but with all my I was doing what a little boy could do. But when I saw myself after having achieved some knowledge and acquaintance and experience, when I looked at myself, I was physically sick and I went in there and laid on the bed and forced myself not to vomit. Now, I'm not telling you for that except for one reason. That's what you do. Now, you may not have no movies taken 27 years ago of you. But you got it in your mind unless Calvary has washed it out. He said, God made me to forget. 
all of my sorrow. And all my father's house. If you don't forget things, if you don't get washed out of your heart all your life, you'll be, this is the way you'll meet all people. I'm little and you're much. All right, Now, the other people crossed up. They meet everybody like this. I'm a whole lot and ain't nothing to you. I'm talking about apostolic arithmetic. I'm a flesh. You ain't nothing. And you're not, that's, that's what that old sister brother Garrett was talking about today. Yeah. Don't I have the funny spirit on me when you're telling that today? That's the first time I ever really, earnestly, intently, deliciously wanted to whip a woman. But I did. Y'all wasn't here today to hear that? He said there was some old girl down there in his town that started out so poor she used to help her husband on a coke truck, Dr. Pepper truck. And then if they come in money, when they sit down by the most noble man in the city, the pastor, she wouldn't even turn over there and look. And had diamonds on her head, she just wanted to I really want that one. Yeah. Would you let it? You hollered out that That woman was this. She was a whole lot of butter everything, and Billy Jack was nothing. This is what you call exalted people. Sometimes you see people get in the pulpit and say, What's that? I pray all day long. None of you want to hear me preach. Nobody wants to gospel. Nobody wants to straighten and sound, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I know you don't want to hear the truth. I know it ain't nothing to you. I'm not going to. Sometimes you get a young people's teacher in the church that's got this plus minus factor. And she rings them all out and grouches them all out. And People today, all that's going on. Plus nine seconds. Yeah, I'm wrong, really. Then you got some saints that's this. Ain't nothing to me in that. Flat, nothing to eat me. Come on, man. Come on. I know what I'm trying to get into this. <laughs> I ain't got no victory. I don't feel all this. I don't know what them people shouting about. Just sit there. They're trying to please the pastor. Man, I wouldn't jump up and down to please that preacher for nothing. There ain't nothing over here. I ain't nothing. Uh-huh. Come on. They ain't either. They're putting on. I, I can't feel it and they're putting on. Uh-huh. I've heard that before. That's a minus. Looking at you as a minus. That's the truth, brother. Now, this is the person here that we can do no good for. No good for, right? If you want... You, you, can, you can be saved with this because you can outgrow that. But if you're sitting in the pew and you look up to the pulpit and say, he's a smart Ellie. Uh-huh. Come on, Ellie. Who do you think he is? Who made you a prince of the little old earth, Moses? Come on, Ellie. Did Moses bless the people? No, he had to flee from them whom he would have given his life to deliver because they looked an honest man. They said, there ain't nothing else. We're out here fighting. We're full of hating the devil. We're fighting amongst the devil. And you came out here to settle us. I just want to ask you, who appointed you to this sheriff? You ain't the man we are. And besides that, I know something on you. Oh, God. <laughs> you killed that Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. <laughs> yeah. We got a minus minus. We're talking about an apostolic arithmetic here. 
You find people sitting back in the platform, sitting back in the pews. You know they ain't doing no good. Because they resent the teacher. They resent the evangelist. They resent the pastor. You can't get you nothing if you resent the man of God. You gotta believe in him. You gotta love him. You gotta look up to him. I got some, oh, everywhere I got just seem to be like they're lovely people. I got a boy about six foot six and weighs about 160 pounds, so he looks like a bean pole. But he's good, he's precious, he's darling, but he labors with us right here. He's coming out of it. He's growing out of it. He, he came in with that. I had a preacher not long ago. See who it was. Well, I guess you wouldn't know him anyway, but a blessed good man of God. I'm going to tell you, when he got in the pulpit, he fed us, he blessed us, he excited us, he gave us the word of God. We saw light in heaven's light. No Frank come around, he's a welder. He loved me. Oh, I said, Brother Free, he said, I sure was fooled again tonight. What's the matter, Frank? He said, I just knowed when that preacher came in, he couldn't preach a lick and said, My God, he preached like a house of fire. <laughs> <laughs> if God hadn't helped him with his personality to hang up, I'm a man that's new yard, too. See, he just to believe in and enjoy everybody I bring before them. That's the only way he can help you. Yes, you got to love a preacher. Come on, Elder. You're hurting yourself if you ain't in love with your preacher. There was a, one of the brethren that you probably know came to a church in the south where my mother-in-law worships. My mother-in-law is such a good woman. I told her, I said, the reason I married Bonnie is so I get you for a mother-in-law. She is a godly woman. I'm telling you, she's all right. She's, she's all right. She's a good saint. She was a saint for many, many years before I ever heard the truth. Godly praying woman that loves her pastor. I'm telling you, she she is in love with whoever is preaching the word of the Lord. So this evangelist that came had his wife and three teenage daughters that were singing, made a group of five, and the pastor, I don't know whether you have that custom here or not, but in the south in many places, when they pass out the offering plate the first night of the meeting, They'll have little what we call pounding slips. They'll ring a bell. Y'all know what that is? You do that? It's a little suggestion as to what manner of type of food you could bring in to help feed the evangelist family while they're there. Uh, food offerings from time immemorial has been part of preaching the Word of God. Uh -oh. All right. And you know, it's, God blesses that. And the pastor said, Now, according to your ability and according to your pleasure, take out a pounding slip. And uh, bring it in tomorrow night so the evangelists will be well cared for. Well, I've been tradition there for 50 years. That just wasn't news to nobody. And my mother was sitting by the wife of the superintendent of the Southland paper mill. He was supposed to have the Holy Ghost. He had it, I didn't want it. But he was supposed to have it. His wife was sitting there. Does that bother you? So what? <laughs> it ain't everything that says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. You can have a mouth full, Lord, and not make the record. It's folks that do the will of God from the heart. Well, when the offering plate came by, this first lady, the superintendent of the paper mills, his wife, took out one, and it said, meat, M-E-A-T. And my wife's mother, Sister Cook, she picked out one, and it said sugar. And that first lady said, my God, meat for all them people. It takes $13, $14 to get enough steak for them to have for a dinner. And my mother-in-law, she's just as quick as a cricket anyway. She snapped that little pound that slipped out of that woman's hand under a spirit of holy wrath and oh. indignation and handed to her the sugar. She said, 
five pounds, and that's when it cost about 85 cents, I think, five pounds of sugar. Then. Said five pounds of sugar do the whole Bible. Give me that meat. I want the blessing on my children. Hallelujah! 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 I'll ask you, which one of them go-headed women? That woman with a limited retirement income that bought the meat? Or that woman, her husband was a superintendent of the paper mill, and she said, that's too rich. Now, I want to ask you who got salvation knowledge. I want to ask you who got weaned from the press. Who got taught doctrine? Who got an understanding? Who got a move of God? You say, you mean it's all over giving meat or sugar? No, it ain't over giving meat or sugar. It's over having admiration and love and esteem for the man that preaches. There ain't nothing too good for a man that preaches the truth. The Bible said if we are taught in spiritual things, we ought to be glad and winners share carnal things. Don't never worry about picking up a flower off of the yard and bringing it in. Oh, they fly to the preacher's wife and say, Oh, your husband said up something good. Your husband's helping me keep my hand on my teenage kid. Wouldn't be for daddy's preaching. Wouldn't be for brother pastor's preaching. I don't know what I'd do with these children. But he's helping me hold a hand in my home. Yeah, I brought you a pound turkey for your Thanksgiving dinner, pastor's wife. I'm going to tell you, friend. If you don't really love the man preaching, you ain't going to get none of this. I'm talking about apostolic arithmetic. And now I want to show you a box. That represents a human heart. And here's the thumb. That's the neck of the thumb. And the preacher, he's going to put an A in here. That's his message, just, just the symbol A. That's all that means. It just uh, stands for the truth of God, the revelation God gave him to give to the people. And it goes around and around until it comes out and gets down in here. And to the saints that love him and have spiritual understanding, it comes out, hey, I heard you talking. I got it. I understood. Light came to my heart. I know what to do. I know how to be saved. My heart is lifted up. Woo, feel good. I got the revelation. God touched me. I got the message. If their heart's right. Amen. Uh-huh. Let me show you somebody's heart's all goofed up. This going to be like a radiator. You know how a copper tubes go in a radiator? Well, I mean, there's a jigging up in there, and they got all kind of little old bows and bends and crooks, and the water starts in over here at this big place and comes out over here. Right up here's the cap, you know, where you add some if you need to. But that water circulates in all these little old bitty copper tubes, and the wind from the fan motor blows over on that, and it just cools it and cools it and cools it, and it comes back in here to the engine block, and it's ready to be heated up again. Come back through the engine block and get to the top of the radiator, and the water pump just puts all that water down through there. And if that ever gets cogged up, then you had it. You're for a steer beat. You're on the side of the road. <laughs> now, when you get too much stuff in your heart, when you have not been washed in your mind and set free, and your mind has not been renewed, and you have not the mind of Christ, but you have the mind of old dead works of repentance that you never got out of there, that's easy to drop A through a hollow box and it comes out A. But some people, when the preacher drops in A, it comes out A, B. Something he said and something they wished he'd said. You know, you hear what you want to hear? Some folks, the pastor drops in A, and they have a brain, they don't love him, and they feel bad about him, and it comes out X, R, L, C. Yeah. He didn't say nothing they thought he said. Right, right, right. Well, the human heart, friend, is not like that simple little box. It's much more like this. The Bible speaks of 
give them double honor who labor in the word and in the doctrine. It takes something else, brother, to get a coat hanger down through all these and ride it up through that and push it through here and push it through there and push it through here, push it through there and push it down, push it up, push it down, push it up, push it down, push it up here and come out here. You better have a good right number one. Or we'll take something if you're going to get it through there. But that's what a preacher's got to do. He's got to put the word of the Lord in your ear. And if your heart's not right, if you don't love it, if you want to do like they did to Moses, then I'm going to choose you. You out here and tell me what to do about not having a fight. You know, it's not near so bad to stop fighting somebody out in the world. You get a couple of Hebrews fighting in the church, you got something on your hands or Some folks don't want to be bothered about their little fights, you know. You know, your little daughter said my little daughter was a nut. Well, I want to tell you a piece of my mind. Your little daughter is also a little sinner now. And away we go. And then when the preacher puts in A, it comes out X-L-R-T. Yeah. You hear a thing he said? Yeah, a thing he said. That's the truth. And he said to Moses, you ain't said enough at the cross. Ha, 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 I know what you did yesterday. You killed an Egyptian. And I'm going to tell you that. You better know it. You better get it. You better beat it. What? Alright. Let me get the ready to take book out and we'll get the answer book out and take a test now. You ready to go home? Won't be long now. We're gonna ring the bell for recess and seek the landing. Well, poor guy saints. I ain't no good. And you're next to an angel. I'm all in it and I ain't never seen nobody slouch as you. I know I ain't right, and I'm double-dog sure you ain't either. And there's the kind that said, all that I was, I am no more. He gave me peace, he gave me joy, he beautified my soul with salvation. And that's why I love you. No matter what you have been, nor what you have done, God brought you in. I love what you're standing for. We'll have fellowship together. We'll walk along together. I'm going to be blessed of God. You're going to be blessed of God. I wish the best of blessings on you. I know you feel good towards me. And that's apostolic arithmetic. Thankful for the word of God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful, aren't you? Hallelujah for what God can do. Yeah. 